Hello everyone, Connor here. Just to let you know that Mark was having some audio recording difficulty during the recording of this episode. Fortunately, we had a OBS backup recording, uh, which is what we ended up using. It doesn't sound the best, but it otherwise we would not have been able to get any of uh, Mark's side of the conversation. So... It is what it is, and hopefully you'll be able to forgive us. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Linux Lads, the only podcast where Boston makes you feel good. <laughs> and joining us today um, is Mike. Hello, hello. And we have Mark from the Binary Times. Hello, Mark. Hello. I can't, I can't say that getting busted made me feel good today with all <laughs> pre-show shenanigans. And of course, I'm Connor. Um, so, Mike, you're on. You're on PTO. Um, that it so, sounds like some kind of strange, weird condition, but it isn't. And um, pay pay time off, I believe. Yes, it is pay time off. Uh, it's just. Uh... I don't really think that I can call uh, this lockdown PTO a holiday, but uh, actually it wasn't. It was great. Uh, stood at home, chilled, went to Carlingford and Kilkenny, both really lovely places uh, in in Ireland, obviously, and uh, really enjoyed it. Now I'm back to work, and it's raining, and it's only half the week, and I'm tired. So yeah, let's have the fun start. <laughs> uh... Carlingford, I've never actually been to, but I've seen lots of photographs, including the one that you you shared yourself. Um, Kilkenny is is quite nice, nice small medieval city. So um, Kilkenny is nice, but I've never actually been to Carlingford. Yeah, I can I can recommend. I can I can recommend Carlingford as well. It has got nature and it has got Norman ruins and uh, the ice cream's good. So, uh, and it's and it's uh, actually quite it's actually quite close to close to Dublin, so it's uh, it's pretty good. And Mark, um, I believe you're you've been playing with the Volaphone. I have, yeah. Um, I I backed it there on Indiegogo, and um, I just received my my beta version. Um, it's on a Gigaset phone. Uh, handset we'll say and uh, a beta version of Ubuntu Touch for that device and it is a beta version but everything mostly works and uh, kind of excited to be uh, what would you say reporting bugs and getting them fixed and looking forward to full on Ubuntu Touch experience before October November You're um, looking forward to being the reporter on the scene you're the uh, the Binary Times um, you, uh, Vola correspondent. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. That's about it. Well, with me, my um, adventures in KDE continue. I've, I teased it in the last episode. Um, and yeah, um, I'm recording it on it at the moment. It's all going swimmingly. Everything looks really fancy. Uh one thing, one little snag I had, which I found a bit puzzling uh, at start, it is still a bit annoying, but I think I sort of figured out the 
the logic behind it um if if logic is the correct word here is that it seemed to be that any time that they opened up a new instance of a window um it seemed to appear randomly in a different corner on my screen so let's say i was using uh, opening up Kate, which is the text editor, it seemed to be sometimes it was down at the bottom left corner, sometimes it was at the bottom right corner, and sometimes even it was the the top left corner. And I was thinking, okay, there, what there's what's the rhyme or reason behind this? And then I was speaking to the the elder uh, wise sage of KD, which is um, Michael from. Uh, destination linux so <laughs> i was messaging him saying what's the story with this like this is kind of weird behavior and he's going yeah uh so the workaround of that is um and he went on this very long uh thing of it he said uh there is a workaround it's not very intuitive you mightn't like it and so he went on this whole explaining of right clicking the the um the top uh, menu or the top title bar of the window in question then go right clicking and going down into a sub menu sec sections and the, this kind of describes the x and y coordinates of the of the window that's on it and then you could kind of save that uh those x and y coordinates so that means that that window will then always open up in those x and y specific x and y coordinates and then he says so and there's two options he said you could save that one window in those x and y coordinates and if the same application pops up another window for example um, some dialogue or something um so if you if it pops up a password dialogue the password dialogue may may not obey the same x and y coordinates as the ones you've just inputted um you could do it for that that one instance of that one window for that program or you could do it for all instances of all of all program all windows for that program which he said he didn't recommend and after all that explanation i just said uh i think i just might just live with the random behavior <laughs> <laughs> um the my theory it's only a theory at this stage um of the air quotes randomness of the window pop-up is i think it's trying to intelligently avoid in other words if my screen is, is is being occupied with other windows of other programs it seemed to dodge them and appear try to appear in a less busy part of my screen that's the only logic that i can guess behind it and if that's not it then i have no idea <laughs> well, to be perfectly honest <laughs> Well, Connor, what is the point of a desktop environment if you can't program it really? If you if 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 it just if it just presented it everything in the middle, what would be the adventure there? Uh, that we we should all just um, switch over to tiling window managers, is what you're saying? Uh, well, yes, obviously that would be my choice. But... <laughs> with with with, with um, Vim uh, keyboard shortcuts. Yeah, I mean those are the best ones. I, <laughs> I it's 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 obviously. Uh, you know, personal choice, but I love KDE and I love playing with it. But then something like this always throws me. I I don't have the patience for figuring out these tiny little things. And God knows that KDE have got a lot of them, right? And I seem to be attracted to them. So it's not it's this little thing where I cannot remap my keys because if I do something else stops working. If I fix that, it breaks something else. It's uh, this kind of a 
you know, it's 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 it doesn't it doesn't behave. Not I don't say it's broken, but it doesn't behave in a simple manner, which to me is beyond my comprehension. To uh, so I can spend with KDE a few a month or two, and then I have to go somewhere else, and I can get back. But well, it's it's working out well for me for the moment. Um, it's very very pretty, is what I can say. And for the most part, it seems to be um, most of my criticisms of Katie in the past seems they've seemed to have um, approved upon them, or I just don't notice them as much anymore, or whatever. But I'm I'm, um, been on it like two or three weeks, and so far so good. Very much enjoying it. Um. Mark, have you had much experience of KDE? Yeah, and I, I generally love it. Like, I've used Kubuntu and uh, I use OpenSUSE as well, uh, the KDE edition of OpenSUSE. And I just recently upgraded my um, the OpenSUSE on my laptop to 15.2. And that was a fairly painless experience, thank thankfully. And um, I just followed the, the instructions on, on, you know, the OpenSUSE... Uh, documentation page and you know it went well and i'm actually really liking the look of it they've done a, a lot of uh, customization so everything is very kind of uh, green and gray and uh, looks cool as long as you don't bring up the um the open settings <laughs> oh you mean yes yeah the, the open settings makes um to me, at least, makes the KDE settings look look tame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was just he hearing today somebody describing how much they like Yast, and it must have been on, um, yeah, on one of the podcasts uh, with Linux Unplugged, or somebody, somebody somewhere was saying, no, Yast is brilliant. And I'm, oh, interesting. But I don't mind it, actually. I love it. It's a great uh, system tool. You can usually tell what command line tools is actually wrapping around, uh, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it gives you a good idea. Alrighty, I think we'll move on to the news. So, Mike, uh, you put this in. Ike Doherty is coming back to Ireland and he starts a new distro. Yes, he's seen the light leaving uh, Blighty behind and uh, coming back to Ireland, and as you said, he's uh, going to start uh, Serpent OS, which is a Linux-based, not for your beginning user uh, kind of distro, where uh, tied to a specific hardware, I think the AMDs, that kind of thing, uh, for gaming, and uh, I think it's kind of different. So Ike obviously has started Solus and has worked on Intel Clear Linux. So this is something different, where Solus was more of a generic, or is still, even though he's no longer there, Solus still is a more of a kind of general desktop uh, using uh, distribution. Then uh, Serpent OS is meant to be more focused. Uh, I think notably, he he's made it quite public that he's not a big friend of uh, uh, the GNU or is it the GNU C library or whatever it's called? You know the the the, the normal in quote unquote GCC is it? The GCC is the compiler correction. I think. Oh, sorry. 
uh, glibc is called, I think. I'm not a, I'm not a C programmer, so I don't know. I think it's called glibc. So he's uh, thrown that out and replacing it with something else. And uh, obviously, I'm not sure if I'll be able to test it when it's ready because I don't have any AMD hardware. But uh, yeah, if it looks like he's on a uh, on a track for another interesting venture, he's also uh, because people are asking um, if the Lispy Snake uh, game engine that he had previously started is then going away, and he's refocusing his effort onto this. And he said, no, no, no. Uh, he put that uh, uh, fear. Uh, and uh, I don't remember what the U infat is for, but basically he put it all to sleep, all the rumors to sleep, saying that he's going to be working on uh, primarily on Lisp Snake, which is a game engine, and uh, the destroy the fear and loathing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a fear uh, something, and uh, I don't know, too late, can't remember. Uh, somebody will tell us what FAT stands for. Um, and anyway, yeah, so he put it all to sleep and said he's saying he's going to work on both, but primarily he's working on Lisp Snake. And other news, Barclays UK was using the Internet Archive as their CDN. I just couldn't believe this when I saw this. And I, I shared it to Mike and uh, <laughs> he couldn't believe it either. Uh, this is absolutely ridiculous. There's no way kind of hell, how the hell or... Well, they did get away with it, but like, how did this make any pass any kind of QA or anything like that? I mean, it it just it it speaks of some overpaid intern um, was given too much too much responsibility, and there was not enough um, checks on them. Well, I don't know. This is this is Barclays, which is a bank, which is uh, very extremely wealthy and also massively stingy. So, like you know, maybe they just said, "How do we save money on this? Oh, just uh, just let the charity take uh, take care of it. It's gonna be it's gonna be grand." <laughs> Jesus Christ, these people they have a horrible reputation in the UK. Um, I mean, at least when I lived, they weren't very popular. I mean, no banks were popular in uh, or have been popular in the last few decades, but. Uh, Barclays uh, was often like pointed at when people were talking about homeless people ended up on the streets because they couldn't afford mortgages and stuff. So, yeah, this definitely improves their reputation. I wouldn't be surprised if there were some project overruns or something and someone was like scrambling around the place, how do we save money? <laughs> you know? and, and if you, and we're going to link the, the, um, yeah. the tweet that brought it to my attention, at least anyway. Um, uh, and underneath it's uh, somebody from Barclays UK help which is a different tw- uh, Twitter account um, so there's the at Barclays UK one that he tweeted at which I presume is like their kind of marketing one and then their support one Barclays UK help um, replied back to him said hey can you like can you pop into our DMs and see if we can sort this out and he's like I did and then he posts the screenshots and it's just automated <laughs> canned um, uh, responses like saying, uh, hey, like you're having an issue. Could you please describe it below? Thumbs up. And, and then he said, I'm sorry, I could not understand that. <laughs> In other words, they're dealing with, I was dealing with an AI, <laughs> with, which was the DMs of this Barclays UK help account. Oh, I just... It just got worse and worse out for Barclays. Not that I I have anything in it, like no, uh, like I'm completely neutral on Barclays. I've never dealt with them in the past. Uh, I I 
don't have any UK bank accounts. So this is me just reacting to a bank in the UK has fucked up this this much. And from what Mike is saying that, yeah, they're kind of known for that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I mean, it's a, it's a big bank. What would you expect? Actually, no, I wouldn't expect that. I have to say <laughs> this took me by surprise. Because that is that is some next level shit this is. Where's the regulation like? Yeah, I totally. mean they should be heavily fined or censored or something for doing what they've done. Yeah, well, sure, but they the whole problem with the with the economy often is that uh, there is not enough regulation. On everything, so there should be regulation on privacy for Google. There should be regulation on. Uh, there should be a lot of regulation on how data is stored, and. Uh, but you know, maybe, maybe the alternate archives uh, used as a CDN is actually secure. I don't. I think they actually used it to store to store code, right? They definitely didn't put customer data on there because that that would be a much bigger that would be a much bigger headline, but. Uh, yeah, it was um, JavaScript. I think they were using it for, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So they they had like you know like when you when you go online and it and your website loads for half a minute because it it's pulling different JavaScript libraries from Max CDN and this bit from Bootstrap and this bit from here. Uh, well, that's yes. Anyway, uh, so maybe they just figured uh, we don't know where to put it, and another instance on Amazon would cost us another fifty euros uh, or fifty British pounds. A year, so we might just as well save ourselves this and put it on, put it on uh, <laughs> archive.org. Speaking of security, and it was teased by uh, Mark during the beginning of this episode, um, the Volafone is out and uh, has a better out and, and testing of uh, Ubuntu Touch. Um, so. These are all these phones are, are are very interesting to me. I mean, um, I I I certainly like the idea of it. It's just the the day to day pragmatic nature of it is whatever reason. Well, I was would say for whatever reason, but it's just just thinking. Don't say you need Android for a banking app after the last story we just had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was one of the points I was going to make, <laughs> but I again I I said I don't have any dealings with Barclays UK, um, uh, and I I won't mention what bank I am with because then that'll be free advertising for them, and we, <laughs> uh, they're certainly not sponsoring this podcast, um, but you know your your chat apps I mean, you could be completely and utterly tinfoil at, and you could say. I'm only on Signal, I'm only on uh, uh, Delta Chat, I'm only on everything. And that's fine amongst your tech-savvy friends, but try saying like to your cousin or your mom or your uncle or your, your dad, uh, yeah, you, you have totally have to download this application in order to communicate with me. And they they would say, well, uh, everyone else is on WhatsApp or everyone else is on whatever platform uh why why can't you use that like i know how to use that what uh, like they, well they wouldn't say it aggressively but it's just that's the whole thing of and you're like yeah I, I, i'm not going to switch my mom over to delta chat <laughs> to be perfectly honest so mark uh, how is life without friends and family <laughs> i mean i i use telegram and telegram is 
there's no real difference between Telegram and WhatsApp. I I know I I no I genuinely I mean I ha- I have a friend over in the states and I I uh said oh yeah download this this app and you, like it's cool and everything and she, she had a bit of skepticism at the start um downloaded it oh yeah like uh like this is better than WhatsApp like I, I enjoy it better it seems to be faster more responsive it seems to be a better app uh, I like the features better. And then after a while, like after a month or two, she said, dude, you're literally my only contact <laughs> on there. I was like, OK, yeah, fair point. And then she says, uh, I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to like I, I was I have her on WhatsApp as well. So she just says, oh, listen, all my friends are on WhatsApp. Uh, I might as well just message you on that. So I was like, OK, yeah, fair enough. And um, so WhatsApp is my compromise of I could be contacted by the the masses as as such my non tech savvy friends, um, on WhatsApp, uh, it's it at least it's not uh like Facebook Messenger or something like that. I know WhatsApp is owned by Facebook, but they do have some form of end to end encryption in there and in there so it's it, it's more secure than than facebook messenger to me anyway so that's my compromise of listen i'm on whatsapp um so me switching over to a completely and utterly uh f- privacy focused niche operating system which to me sounds a like an absolute brilliant idea but then i still have to be contactable <laughs> and uh, I know there's the whole thing of well, you could still SMS people and you could still call people, but in this day and age, um, how many people actually SMS people anymore? <laughs> yeah, when you get a text message, it's always Papa Jones. Well, maybe the uh, Volaphone OS itself might be for you because that's um, Android open source project based. Yeah, that that's that's fair fair point. Um. Uh, one thing I have I have investigated in the past is Sailfish, and there is a community port of Sailfish for my phone, which is the OnePlus Five T. It's on um, up on XDA developers, and uh, I think it's uh, it, obviously it's a community effort, so uh, it's about one and a bit uh, releases of Android behind it, or maybe even two android versions behind in terms of their cadence because they've only just in the last week or two i saw the post when i was checking in i went on their forum and i was checking out the posts and they're like we're now on android 9 <laughs> as in other words they're using that as the kernel they're using that as the base they're um they're basing it off um uh, lineage os as their base because obviously um for all the the baseman stuff and all that stuff it still has to be uh, has to be some sort of base on Android, uh, rather than based off uh, their own kernel or or that they could they would make themselves because that'll be a, a colossal amount of effort. So they essentially take the core lower lower bits from Lineage OS and then do port uh, Sailfish on top of that. But because it's a community port, it doesn't support any Android apps. It's only official Sailfish devices support Android apps. And I I do have an official Sailfish device. It's it's just uh, a bit too old for me. I mean, I could use it, but I just prefer to use my my uh, OnePlus Five T. Uh, it's the Xperia X A two, I think, 
Sony Xperia XA2, which is 100% officially supported by YOLA and um, the Sailfish OS. They give you instructions. They say, run these com- these ADB commands and uh, Sailfish essentially replaces Android or like it's all officially supported and Android apps are officially supported there because it's coming from them they say this is a supported device and it does indeed work i mean um i have uh things like uh i it's not powered on at the moment so i wouldn't be able to demonstrate but off the top of my head um oh yeah i uh, things like i would i had the uh android version of firefox installed i had a couple of other things Uh, uh, i had a podcast app coming from android because that is just the app that was familiar with but of course there's the sailfish uh version uh i don't think i actually put a banking app on it <laughs> um but yeah those are my the two stickling points other than that i mean oh i um i put um f droid on it so I was, I was messing around with putting um f droid applications on sailfish and all of them all of those worked out of the box no problem um I think they support the Android 8 SDK. So as long as the app supports Android 8 and, ab- and above, then then it's fine. Then in theory, the app should work on official Sailfish devices. So yeah, I've, 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 I'm totally down to the idea of replacing Android with something on, on my phone. It's just those niggling apps, <laughs> annoying apps, um don't seem to be there seems to be my sticking point of i need to be i like to be able to communicate with my friends and my cousins and my aunts and uncles and stuff and they're all on whatsapp mark you you got uh volaphone so you basically are an early adopter of their beta isn't it you are testing it for them yeah the ubuntu touch i haven't actually tried the vola os yet and is it your only phone? Or are you just basically just braving it with just that and nothing else? Yeah. Okay. How long have you had that for? I've only had it, I'd say, about a, a week so far. And are you missing any banking apps and uh, WhatsApps? Or is it just me? <laughs> yeah. Before that, my... <laughs> indeed. Uh, my main problem before that was the BQ Aquarius E 4.5. With Ubuntu Touch? With Ubuntu Touch. Right. I'm not missing anything. I, in fact, um, it's a much better experience because this is a, a far superior phone to the the E 4.5. You know, even when the BQ E 4.5 was released, it was fairly mediocre specs. It had a gig of RAM, all that kind of stuff. Whereas... Um, like this phone, it's a MediaTek processor. It's got four gigs of RAM, uh, sixty-four gigs of uh, storage. You know, it's it's an octa-core, A53. I'm jobby. I'm looking at it. Oh, I'm looking at the pictures, and uh, they look good. Uh, it's I think when you compare it uh, with the other uh, open source operating system choices that are there uh, the likes of the uh, of of the very value heavy pi phone or the likes of the very uh, you know of the fairphone 3 which is a very interesting project or the refurbished e-phones uh, that i think they 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 offered the refurbished samsung galaxies this one definitely looks very good 
uh, I it 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 kind of it doesn't look like it's uh, an open source project, uh, which well that came out really bad, but uh, <laughs> but it doesn't look like it's um, like it's a uh, like it's a, a man, like it's made for purely function. Somebody also paid attention to the looks. It's also not uh, as nowhere near as cheap as the Pine Phone. Uh, if uh, the early adopter was about, it's about three hundred euros for the for the phone, which about three hundred fifty. Oh, three hundred fifty. Yeah, if that's for that, those are pledges on Kickstarter, by the way. Yeah, these are early bird prices. I don't know what the final recommended retail price or whatever you would want to say is. But um, no, it is. It's a it's a really nice phone. It's uh, decent quality. It, and as you say, it looks nice, and it's got a really nice little uh, Vola label across the back, and it, you know, it, it looks well made. Um, and Gigaset are a fairly well known manufacturer, and apparently all the assembly is being done in Germany, you know, so all the components oh. are being got and assembled then in in Gigaset's factory in Germany. Uh, and apparently, from what I know, uh, they're looking to, you know, do more of the manufacturing in Germany itself. That That's all um, compelling. It's certainly compelling. I'm just looking tr- down through the screenshots. So um, for our audio listeners, it seems to be uh, they have their own Android launcher that they have. So they, it's it's their, their OS is based off AOSP. Uh, and they have their own kind of more minimalist Zen like um, Android launcher where everything seems to be you you, you they they're calling it their springboard. It seems to be that they, you can like uh, just type at and then the your contact name and then start typing saying uh, like start typing your message saying at whatever. Uh, and then start typing and they'll figure it seems to dynamically figure it out if it's uh if it's a sms or an email or whatever and maybe it'll give you those kind of options it seems to be very keyboard centric uh which is is certainly a compelling way of doing it and of course then you still have um access to your app drawer as well but it seems to be that it it's all very production focused in other words you're you're in a production production point of view um, or you're in a production mood and then you just start typing and you're like, okay, at whoever, send a quick message off to them and then check out my calendar, check out this, check out that. And then uh, it all seems to be very, all very seamless and uh, simple and with a nice design. So, so there's that as well i i don't imagine maybe they they might release that as a as a uh third party um launcher for android just in the store needless to say it, needless to say it was, um it won't be as tightly integrated as if it was on their own device but maybe they they could have some aspects of it i would I was just checking it, and it's not uh, on F-Droid or on the Play Store, as far as I can tell. I was just looking at my phone because I really like it. I like that uh, smoky gray to black uh, to o- o- with orange tones. Uh, I-, I really like that, but uh, you know, it's not there, unfortunately. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying it, but I want to spend time with Ubuntu Touch first and do as much troubleshooting as I can for them just to find as many bugs as I can and hopefully, you know, get them fixed before the, um, the release date. Yeah, because um, Mark doesn't need WhatsApp or backing apps. <laughs> No, um, I, I, no I, I keep making that joke, but it's um, anytime I highly commend these projects, anytime that I've used um, uh, Ubuntu Touch, I've very much enjoyed it and it's it's uh, coming on leaps and bounds. Um, Sailfish OS, uh, anytime that I've tried that, I mean, so much so that I've went out and I've purchased officially supported devices from those two projects. So for um Ubuntu Touch I have the OnePlus One um and I went through their 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 officially sanctioned GUI installer. Uh, I installed that and I went through all of that and it just flashed it and ev- everything seems was working there. Um and also Sailfish I have the Xperia XA two as uh, like these are just uh, secondary devices that I have lying around, and I can pick them up. I um, needless to say, they 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 fat they run out of charge because I don't I don't use them that often. But any time that I hear there's a new feature coming out, then I bang in the charger, charge up the device, go through the the um updates to, to the latest version, check out their the latest feature or latest updates that they've they've advertised and go, oh like I like to keep tabs on these on these um projects uh with a view in my mind of one day could I could I switch over to one of these platforms. And I'm I'm very much uh keeping track of the Pine phone as well with this with the same vein saying could I switch over to this device as my full time device and the um unfortunately the the pain points for me are the the I know we're we're kind of making fun of it on this podcast but it's 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 it is a fair point and there will be many people out there who would have similar um sticking points of listen uh, like the amount of uh banks these days who who uh have their own application and they use their own application mainly for MFA like you could use uh you could they could go through MFA using a different method but I suppose it's it's a bank so they want extra control they want to know that it's it, they're not handing data off to a third party so they write their own in-house app to do MFA to do push push notifications in other words uh oh you're you're logging into your bank account on the web uh, uh like we're going to send you an MFA push to your phone uh, and then all that's hunky dory and then you can access the information of your bank account on on the web or you could do it all through the application on the phone like if you want to transfer funds or if you want to uh, put st- something into a savings account or a, 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 I'm sure they would like us to all be applying for for loans and everything and finance on on your phone but um most people don't do that so for, sorry um, people in the banking industry but that's just the reality of it but we we do like to transfer money around our accounts like savings accounts and and uh rainy day funds and move money around between various different accounts and yeah i i, I certainly see the the compelling nature of being able to do that on your phone i mean it is very useful i i i have an android phone and i do that myself um it's 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 all very very useful to to uh if you owe somebody uh money if you owe 
a base 20 quid for um for uh if they did you a favor or if they w- went down to the uh, went down to the off license and got you a couple of beers and you 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 owed them money back it's it like on the way on the bus on the way home you could nearly have transferred the 20 quid over to their account because you can do it from your 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 phone it's, it's certainly a compelling way of doing things but unfortunately those seem to exist only for the two major platforms which is incredibly annoying i mean i'd love to be able to run a sailfish phone run a a ubuntu touch phone run a um a fosh phone run a whatever operating system that you choose phone uh or, or post market os or, or whatever you want um and to be able to use the phone how i want to use the phone communicate with whoever i want to communicate with um i mean i i i'm not using whatsapp for any particular reason that i think it's a particularly good messaging app it's fine uh i'm using it because of the people that are on it <laughs> unfortunately that's the, that's the thing you're saying that you can communicate the way you want to communicate and all the rest of it but you can only communicate in the way that whatsapp allows you to communicate uh, no you but the communication in the way that i want to communicate as in uh, in an ideal situation i should be able to message the these people who are all on whatsapp i should be able to message them the way i want to message them but I can't because they're all on WhatsApp. So I'm compelled to use WhatsApp in order to communicate with them. I mean, if if there was, I, th- I think there, there, I don't, I've never actually used it, but there's rumours that there's a Mattermost bridge to WhatsApp. So imagine if a Mattermost, you could just send people messages and that you're using the platform that you choose to use and it translates it and then translates it into the platform that they choose to use. In an ideal situation, there would be uh, that way of doing things. And uh, I think I have spotted that there is a, a Mattermost bridge to WhatsApp, but I've never used it. I don't know how good it is. Um, I would have to do some testing on that. But I was just speaking from an ideal point of view. Ideally, I get to choose whatever platform that I want, communicate in whichever way that I want, and I'm not restricted by how other people choose to communicate but But just before we go off the topic something you said earlier mike about the e-phone being available on the the samsung uh refurb devices uh it's available on the fairphone too now as well i wanted uh actually the fairphone i think there's the fairphone 3 that i was considering buying i was at first i thought that i'd be on the buy phone by this time and by 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 now but then I realized, and then I thought maybe the fair phone, but then I realized when I was getting a new phone that I'm uh, way too comfortable and I have way too few principles so I can just get a proper phone like everybody else and uh, get with the program, you know. At least I can install the uh, the HSE tracing app now. And uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, no, I know they do. I wouldn't buy a secondhand Samsung because I've seen a few of them falling apart. And uh, I don't have, uh, I mean, on the other hand, like I know my wife uses Samsungs and she has them definitely longer than two years. So I think more like three. And they seem to be okay, except for uh, like smashed, smashed camera screens and stuff like that. But 
uh i don't uh, trust samsung i never never you know if if some if they can make something that actually explodes and sell it to people i'm not too keen on them so i know that you can take the e e operating system and put it on other devices as well and uh, i don't have any qualms about reinstalling my computer but messing with the phone i've break a phone before and had to fix it and it took me a while and uh, i don't like phones that much in order to tinker with them so yeah i know i should probably get a proper geek phone but uh yeah i know i stick with my 70. so in other news um ubuntu um you might be able to turn it into a rolling distro dun 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 um i think this was uh started off as a bit of a joke um this was on the ubuntu uh, podcast yeah the ubuntu podcast so they had uh stuart language on and and he just says you guys can clearly just do this. Just change a few lines of code and call it Rolling Rhino. And I think he was he was joking. And then he's like, "If only we had the um, the uh, desktop lead for our desktop developer lead uh, for uh, Ubuntu on." Uh, oh well. Oh hi, hi Barton Winpress. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I think it's it all. That was all a bit of a laugh, a bit of a belly chuckle. But I think. Um, Bart, or Martin Winpress seemed to have taken it seriously and in his I think it's a case of uh, he probably pitched the idea to internally in Canonical maybe they're they liked it or were indifferent to it or the whole thing of hey you're you're the you're the lead you you roll with this if the roll with this uh, you roll with it if you want to or uh, whatever because like it's it dude it's 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 your gig um and he's been doing the thing where um it's appeared on his live streams so in his live streams he's been kind of doing uh two or three hour long uh live streams and they're recorded and they're up on his youtube channel but uh live streams of him fixing bugs kind of educating people and answering questions as he's doing things and his latest couple of ones have been where he's been showing how you can turn Ubuntu into a kind of a rolling release I think the idea behind it well certainly Stuart Langridge's idea behind it was there are people who do this there are people who who are in go from the interim release to interim release essentially as soon as uh, 2004 is out they immediately switched to 2010 the the next dev version and uh, uh canonical ha- uh, people have kind of uh, canonical employees have kind of shied away from recommending people do that because needless to say you're going from something very stable to something very buggy to something very stable to something very buggy to yeah uh, rinse and repeat but some people find it um stable enough that they could just continue doing that and he suggested well, rather than having a code name of whatever the version number is, whether it's 2004 or 2010 or whatever, just have it point at something called Rolling Rhino and then Rolling Rhino will, auto- will always check 
is there is there a new dev version and just switch over to that so it's a compelling idea i don't know how successful it will be um but certainly having the weight of the the um the desktop lead behind it um certainly makes it very compelling and it's it's gaining a lot of news so what do you guys think of the concept of a rolling ubuntu distribution Mark, you are using uh, me. Both me and Connor use uh, rolling. We use Manjaro mostly. Uh, so you use uh, what are you on? Opens uh, OpenSUSE uh, Leap I'm at this point. For my my main desktop, and then uh, Kubuntu and OpenSUSE on the the laptops. And those are all LTSs or Leap, yeah. Well, generally, the way I've been using Kubuntu and Ubuntu. Um, lately is I would update the next release a few months before it actually comes out. So we'll say with 2004, I was on 2004 in 2019. All right. So you are basically rolling the Rhino already. I would. Uh, because I think, especially with the, the interim releases, they're testing a lot of stuff and I I just have a feeling that the initial interim release, you know, the days and weeks after it's announced and they're pushing everything into the archive, it would be too unstable for me, I think. So I generally wait until it's out of alpha and in beta to uh, move to the next release. So I don't see myself moving to Rolling Rhino. Even though I do, and that that's probably just my own mental thing. I mean, it might be a lot more stable than than I imagine because I do find uh, the pre-release software incredibly stable. You know, it's great, and it never gives me prob well, it never gives me problems until I try and come on the show. And <laughs> <laughs> referring to our to your uh, audio issues there uh, before we started recording. That's that's because that's because this show only tolerates uh, rolling releases. If you are trying to, <laughs> if you are trying to sneak in any old LTS, uh, the show doesn't like it. It just it just goes for it. You know, it it strangles your audacity, it kicks your power control, and uh, what it does to system depots audio, you don't even want to know. Um, so, are are you? You 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 are uh, philosophically against running anything rolling, like even the distributions that are quotes made for rolling, like Tumbleweed or uh, or uh, Manjaro. You know, I was running Tumbleweeds. I, I tend to err on the side of caution. Are you assist admin or something? <laughs> he he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't go full Debian because nobody goes full Debian. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm joking. Um, Debian, Debian's great. Indeed, indeed. That that needs to be said. Yeah, that sweet two point sixteen kernel. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on, they're not that bad. <laughs> I, know. I, I think I think uh, they're still in the uh, fours. Fours, yeah. There's probably still in the fours. But there's definitely a sweet point or a sweet spot between being too conservative and being too edgy. You know, and a lot of the LTSs hit that sweet spot well. And it's nice when you've got a, a distribution that is built and you know it's going to be there for 
the next number of years and it'll just work. Yeah, that it's sounds like hero. <laughs> that sounds like a long term commitment and uh, I, I don't I can't do that with computers. It's like you know, it's I'm I'm on this. I've been okay. I I this actual this installation is not very old because I bought a new hard drive, so I had to reinstall. Well, I call it a hard drive. It's actually anyway, it doesn't matter. I bought a new I bought a new piece of equipment, so I had to reinstall it. But I've been on Manjaro for six months now, and I'm starting getting the you know kind of you look elsewhere. And I've got about fifty virtual boxes running, not running at the moment, but uh, in here because I'm looking at elementary because it's very. You know, I like that kind of uh, pretty and consistent look and uh, the whole paradigm is really nice. And I'm looking into uh, Fedora because uh, I really like the background. You know, I'm I'm that kind of shallow. But uh, I, I, I couldn't stay on the LTS. I mean, at work, the PC that I sometimes log into that I basically use as a server because it's sitting in the office and I'm sitting at home. That runs 2004 LTS because I thought, well, if I'm if I'm not actually using it, if it's just there for as a, as basically uh, for for Git repos and that kind of thing, then I don't want to have to update it all the time. But on everything else, I I, I cannot uh, I cannot stop rolling basically. You see me rolling the hay <laughs> Yes, indeed. Uh, I think maybe I could give a uh, rolling rhino a try, and but it only makes sense to test it if you are willing to stick with it for about a year. Then you really see throughout the development cycle how it, how it pans out. Because you know, if you if you try it, if you try it, let's say in uh, in September, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be brilliant because it's almost almost a new release, and everything's going to work fine. But then come November or December, things might start getting really interesting <laughs> or maybe even better. As soon as they, how is it? They, they switch to the new release uh, as soon as uh, that comes live, as, as soon as the repos are live, I think. Yeah. So, so that would be the point where you're going, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> the top of the roller coaster. Yeah, that's when you when you reboot and all you see is press press Control D for a uh, grab shell or something like that. <laughs> um, people say that like there there is a, a possible way to do it on Debian is, uh, like it's it's almost the exact same thing as if you're you're doing it on a, a slightly different base rather than Ubuntu is is based on Debian. Well, I'm not saying well Ubuntu is based on Debian, but you know you get what I mean. Rather than having an Ubuntu base, you're, you're having a pure vanilla Debian base. Is Debian has its code names, and again it points at a repo based on the code name. But and each and uh, the code name changes every single time. So the na- next version will be code name this. The version after that will be code name that. So the the re- then what they do is debian testing will have a code name and then that code name if you stick with that code name and don't change your your sources uh, dot list it will you gradually uh, progress into stable and then if you want to get testing again you'd have to point at the new code name but if you change all of your sources dot list files to literally rather than code name the word testing then it it does that cycle you'll you'll always be on debian testing but you'll go through that cycle of 
okay, now it's it's pretty stable and it's almost like it's at Debian stable, and now it's on the development again. So it's it's the exact same thing. But if if you if anyone who's compelled to do that, you can't do that on Debian. Just change your um your repos to, uh, in your sources.list file to to point at Debian testing rather than Debian whatever the code name is, and you'll be on a rolling testing air quotes. Dude, that's like buying a uh, cycle. Uh, that's like buying a racing bicycle and walking it around. I I, I don't know. You, you know, <laughs> pick one and stick to it. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand why you would do it on Ubuntu because people want Ubuntu and people want rolling. But if whoever wants Debian, they are in it for the stability. You know, I I, I assume because. Okay, they have got good. It's it's a great project to to be, uh, you know, to 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 support and to use, and it's uh, it's a great distro. But uh, I wouldn't, you know, if you want to be on the edge, that's not the edge I would have chosen or I would choose. And it's, and that's, also that's not the edge by Debian standards. There's there's also Debian sti- uh, SID. Uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there was the um I'll, who uh, a guy uh I'll I'll I I do know his name but I won't mention his name just for this uh the sake of I don't want to be mentioning people's names on the podcast necessarily but the um Mike you'll know who he is the the um Debian guy who who come along to come along to our um our our meetups. Uh, one time I literally to- uh, was talking about this to him and he says, he said that because of that, because you're going to the latest, uh, if you pointed at De- uh, Debian testing and then you'd you'd go from stable all the way to the latest development uh, release and that could break things, like it could break software because software is expecting this version, then it's going to that version and whatever. He, he said, oh, if you want... um." Uh, a rolling Debian. Why not just um point your repos at Debian Sid? And he was he genuinely he was being one hundred percent serious. He said he found Debian Sid, uh, way more uh stable than if it was doing the whole Debian testing thing of going from stable to development to stable to development. He said at least Debian Sid was consistent and he said it was no more unstable than people running bleeding edge, bleeding edge arch or something he just preferred um the way debian did things so there's there's a tip if if you want something as bleeding edge as, as arch but you want something based off debian then ba- um, point your district or point your repos at debian said <laughs> hmm. and have either hmm. of you tried tumbleweed uh yes. briefly briefly but i i don't think i liked it I have same with OpenSUSE as I have with KDE. Uh, I use it for a while and then something breaks. It's uh, and I like the distro, right? I I am uh, a very Eurocentric and I like that it's made in Germany, and I like the project because the project's been around for a long time, and I, I I'm happy that there's a company who makes money of uh, you know of open source, which is always good in my eyes anyway, uh, but. Uh, I, I maybe it's because I uh, I chose the KDE version and was Tumbleweed. So maybe if I went for the flagship, which I assume is the GNOME and uh, Leap, or you know the the most prolific kind, not prolific, the most where they what, what do they put most attention into? I'd imagine that would be the GNOME on 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 Leap. I think 
I, I assume, but you know, could be wrong. I don't really know that project. But um, yeah, K- KDE used to be. They used to be known as the um, the people who hearted KDE the the most. Um, so KDE used to be their flagship. So um, I'm actually surprised that GNOME is now their flagship because um, Fedora was always the GNOME distro, and uh, OpenSUSE was the KDE distro. It's yeah, and I'll, I I kind of but then you know with with these distros because I think I'm familiar with Ubuntu and I am I'm all right on anything that's based on Arch because uh, you know we've been using these things for a while but uh, I don't know what it is with RPM distros. I've tried Fedora, I've tried uh, using uh, using OpenSUSE, and I always run up into something that just doesn't work quite right. And uh, yeah, I've been using KD on on Tumbleweed, and I used Fedora with uh, I, I used Fedora with KD as well, which was probably a mistake uh, because they are very GNOME centric. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I should try the proper way. Like definitely, Fedora workstation with GNOME on it as it comes uh, is something attractive. And the Tumbleweed edition, uh, yeah, I like the. Uh, Suze has just been in the news recently. They bought something. They bought uh, Rancher, which is like a Kubernetes project, and they really try to pay attention to all these technologies. Like if you if you are, I'd say if you are a single app developer, then like use Linux, obviously. But if you are into uh, doing development for all of these with all of these technologies or working with like Kubernetes containers, then the RPM distro space is just as interested as your Ubuntu's, right? You've got, you've got. Uh, there are some con- really interesting container technologies uh, coming out of Red Hat, like uh, Build and Pot. Uh, Pot. I remember. I don't remember what it's called. And uh, then OpenSUSE has got their own effort in there. So, I. I like the project. It's just, uh, you know, some things you can never get working. I will, I will def- most definitely try. How long have you been using OpenSUSE? Uh, I suppose OpenSUSE was probably one of the first distros that I actually ever got working in the first place. So I have a bit of a, a fondness for it. But I've only really been using OpenSUSE for uh, the last only year or more or so, really that I've actually had it on a machine and I've kept it on the machine, you know? So, like, I would have tried, and I, I suppose probably a bit like yourselves, I'd try, try out different distros and stuff, but I'd never stick with them, you know, and I generally always stick with Ubuntu, you know? But, um, yeah, I mean, I put uh, OpenSUSE Leap on, on that machine and I've, I've just kept it on it, you know? It hasn't broken. Uh, but I suppose I was careful because I have had bad experiences with SUSE in the past. So I, I just read the documentation before installing, and you know, I put the only very few repos on it. So I just had Pac-Man and stuff like that. Maybe the the network utilities, and leave it at that. Because if you start loading it up with different repositories, you just end up in dependency hell and start again <laughs> you know you snap man the amount of software you can get yeah you have to keep it working as well and that's the thing about Manjaro you can just put any old software on it and it will just keep on going in my experience <laughs> like it, <laughs> this is actually very true I found I, that as well I don't I don't understand it right you know if 
it doesn't have the concept of PPAs, but it has got the AUR and there's everything and its dog is in the AUR, right? And plus snaps are flashbacks and, and you can do, you can like, I was just saying, you know, the Cadmus tool that you uh, talked about in the binary times, uh, that, uh, you know, the noise suppression tool, you install it from the AUR and it basically fetches a up image and runs it. You know, crazy things like this, and it all works. Like I, I, okay, I've had bad experiences as well, but you kind of with this, this is not. This has not been sold to me as this is your distro for the next ten years. This has been sold to me. Well, it hasn't been sold. I've never paid for it, but it has been. This is promoted as a working, perfectly working distro. Is this is the i three? So it's a community edition at that, and it works. Right, and I can't, I can't fault it. It's uh, you know some things because it's a. Uh, Tiling with desktop manager, some things you have to do yourself, but uh, that that I kind of don't mind as long as it's as long as I can understand it with my simple little mind. And uh, it's you know the, the simplicity of it is that everything is somewhere in a text file, right? So there is no uh, there is no uh, other you know the, 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 there are other play there are other ways of doing uh, of doing configuration. There are other ways of uh, of uh, doing window management and stuff. The thing is, I'm using system. I mean, the, the thing is using system D, but I don't uh, literally. I don't have to interact with it, and if I do, it's via, it's via like Pavo Control, for example. But then again, I know nothing about audio as a podcaster. Why should I? Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, so, so, so there is an interface between me and some part of system D that's that there's that audio, and I like other parts of system d because starting services stopping services you know i do like docker for example with system d easy to reload uh, you don't have to you know and there are obviously people who understand it more than i have got different opinions some people like system d some people don't it's not in my way it works as expected it's fairly complex piece of kit so if i really wanted to work with it i'd have to learn it but because i'm just a user on the receiving end of this, well, fine. If I need to, I can read something on the ArchWiki, which is the best wiki ever. And uh... yeah, no, I, I certainly agree with that. I mean, there, there's, there's the ArchWiki is so extensive that there there be people from other distros who who would point you towards the Arch, ArchWiki because it's so intensive, or it it's intensive and extensive. Um, no, uh, Self and I would be uh, an arch user. Yeah, yeah, no, there, there's, there's so many, so many um good uh ideas in there, or there are um so many, uh, so many good guides in 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 relation to that. They really go down into the, the, the technical details and the um into it. It's very compelling guides on on a lot of things. Um, Manjaro for me, I certainly would not uh from. From my point of view, I wouldn't recommend it to a novice uh, Linux user. I would I say it's more of an intermittent uh, Linux Linux user. Um. Uh, well, I'm I'm causing pause to myself as I make that statement. So I'm I'm uh, in my mind I'm thinking, you you know um if you set set it down in front of a, a brand new Linux user and they didn't. They just stuck to the official repos and didn't enable AUR because, out of the box in the package manager, you you have to go in and you have to toggle in the graphical user interface, uh, toggle AUR support and you have to toggle snap support and you have to toggle flatback support. I love the fact that 
it supports them out of the box, but they're just not enabled by default. You just go in and go. And then, yeah, listen to that, then, Linux Mint. <laughs> it's uh, that is it's just a simple way of doing things. But yeah, if if they stuck to the official repos, uh, I don't see how how it would be that unstable or it would break that much or anything like that. But just the whole thing of I like the fact that it's stable when I want it to be, and um, I can experiment from from when I want to as well, um, and if I break it, I know how to fix it worst always in the back of my mind is absolute worst case scenario i can you can pave because uh i have a 500 gig ssd in this computer uh, i have a two terabyte uh hard drive also in this computer and i also have uh cloud backups of pretty much everything my music my photos my everything so uh the operating system is on the 500 gig ssd so that I know that if I um if I complete completely and utterly fuck things up, I can just wipe the SSD. My two terabyte hard drive is is un, not affected. That has all of my Steam games, has all of my uh, um movies and music and things like that. That from my um like of of physical copies of them around. But I don't want, if I want to switch from one movie to another, I don't want to have to get out the disc. In a, to put it into my my disk drive, so I I just have uh, digital copies of everything, but it, they're all on my two terabyte hard drive. Um, and then I just double click on this, double click on that, whenever I want to watch something else or whatever, or listen to something else and listen to my to me to my music. All of that is on my two terabyte hard drive. That is not going to be t- um touched unless I um completely utterly absent-minded and in the GUI installer of uh, in the live image of whatever distro I'm about to put on I click on the the wrong installation source but even then most of most of the important stuff not everything but most like my steam games are not um or my steam installs are not backed up to the cloud but the steam games are backed up to the cloud and so are my steam saves backed up to the cloud due to the nature of steam but my uh, my music is backed up to the cloud but i don't think those those rips of all the physical media of my of my movies is backed up to the cloud but i still have the physical copies so it'll be a ball ache to go through and re-rip everything but i still have the physical copies i can still do it um so it's not the absolute end of the world and that's the absolute worst case scenario I can distro hop left, right, and freaking center because all I'm doing is I'm wiping the 500 gig SSD, and all of, I'm safe in the knowledge that all of the things that are important to me, my music, my movies, my whatever, are is all safe because they're either on a separate uh, device, a separate drive, or they're backed up to the cloud. So, I can experiment. I can say, listen, I'm running um, KDE, but. If I want to install X application and it pulls pulls down freaking half of the GNOME desktop down with it, uh, I can do that and I can ex- experiment. And then if I find out that uh, I didn't really like that application any- anymore and then deleted it, but then it doesn't fully delete it, it didn't delete all the dependencies that came down with it. And the uh, because it pulled down all of those dependencies that made my system unstable, then that is a lesson I'll remember 
I didn't really like that application, plus it fucked up my system. So I won't <laughs> be installing that application anymore. And if it fucks up my system so much, I can nuke and pave and be back up to a, a working system uh, I'll bent without all my customizations in about 15 or 20 minutes, particularly on an SSD. Uh, uh, Manjaro install on an SSD these days is about 15 minutes. <laughs> it's it's yeah. really, really, uh, particularly with uh, a fast broadband connection, which I do. I have a wired connection into this PC. It's really fast. It's surprisingly fast. I mean, you go off and you can make yourself a coffee, and by the time you come back, it's it's nearly done. <laughs> uh, there's been times where I've I, I've literally while it's been in, installing something, I've I went and I, I brought up uh, YouTube on um in the live desktop environment or the in the live desktop image, uh brought up YouTube, search for uh the next episode of something on on youtube for some some guy that i'm subscribed to and he he might put out a 20 minute long video and before that episode is done then my operating system is installed <laughs> so it's like it's it's it, once once you have that stress out of out of out of the way and i know that everything is pretty much covered then i i can experiment around and i can turn on the aur and i can do things left right and center but the thing is despite all that and despite the fact that occasionally i experiment and i go wild and i i say hey let's throw that application a uh, random application from the aur on my system i might like it i might not like it despite all of that experimentation manjaro just seems to chug through everything <laughs> just seems to just keep working so i Sometimes I nuke and pave not because my system is unstable, is because I fancy trying a different desktop environment, and I know you you could in install uh, XFCE beside K KDE and then have the desktop different desktop environments on in your uh, login menu, but then there's the whole mess of you have. Uh, different file managers from the different desktop environments all side by side on the one system and oh i've done that in the past in on when i was on a ubuntu based system so i would install the different desktop environments i would i would be uh on i think um this was back in the unity days i think i did install um, xfc beside it and again you got the drop down menu in your login screen and you can flick between them but then once once you're in one or the other one then you'd have uh you would have tunar and you would have uh nautilus beside each other in the same install and uh that's all of that mess so yeah i don't like having two desktop and desktop environments on the one install i'd rather just nuke and pave uh, so I, in the past I have literally nuked and paved Manjaro because I fancy trying out a different desktop environment not because Manjaro has become unstable yeah, it's fairly ringing endorsements for Manjaro all around I think you can t probably tell from, from my point of view the, the, it's, the reason why I'm speaking so highly about it is because I, I'm passionate about it I've, I just find that it's it's been it's been dis despite the fact that it's rolling 
it's actually quite stable <laughs> it's i've I, like i've i've tried to break it <laughs> well not not maliciously tried to break it but you know what i mean i've i've, I've experimented and said hey if i break it what what's the big deal and even though i'm doing those experiments it's still been stable so i've uh, i spent every day all my work day because I work on my personal laptop, so I I do everything on Manjaro, and it's just it just works like it's you know like, like they used to say about the Mac, which I don't know if that's true anymore, but Manjaro just works. It just works. Just, TM uh, works. I guess. <laughs> TM, yeah. And uh, like, okay, I'm I'm running I'm running uh, i3, so it doesn't have so like every application looks kind of the way the application wants to look because. They, uh, you know, it's not a, it's not a desktop environment, so it doesn't, uh, it doesn't have the like tie, tie teaming. But uh, what they, the teams that is in there, uh, it's, it's glorious. It's like the dark and gr- and green with white accents in it, and it's, it's really beautiful. And um, they, they, they really, they, they, they have a great community. Uh, they are a great project. Uh, we should really, I mean, I, I should really kind of. Um, yeah, we should probably pro- propagate them more. I mean, we both of us use them, and uh, they definitely deserve it. I'm not saying other projects don't deserve it. I mean, as I said, I use Ubuntu, which uh, as well for work because it just sits there and does the job. And uh, whenever I use Ubuntu, I've never had any problems with it. Uh, so that's just uh, it's just I really like fresh software, and, and uh, I, I know. know we should celebrate all Linux communities. <laughs> Oh no! No no I, no no no! I I, 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 I do I, yeah. I I have hatred for. <clears throat> I don't actually. I don't actually hate any single Linux distro. There is not. There are some that I wouldn't want to use because uh, you know some some distro maintainers make decisions that uh, would negatively affect the way I want to use a computer, which uh, and that's their choice. I can criticize the choice, but in the end, it's their choice. Um, some. Just uh, you know, emph- they have different emphasis. Like I really like the way Elementary works. Uh, looks specifically like beyond the fact that it, uh, beyond the just the just the consistency of it. Like as long as you run all the applications, there is so much work put into the design and so much thought. You can see it on Twitter. Uh, like Daniel for even uh, the amount of stuff he tweets about the way uh, Elementary looks. It's just great. I like and I I like that. I like the way that they are not shy to ask for money, and that they are making uh, uh you know that they are making a decent distro for for a certain very well thought through niche of people. They know who their audience is and they know what to deliver to them. Same to me, and that's that's that kind of thing is important to me. Like you know you know even though even if you're not a commercial project. If you know who you are making this for, obviously apart from yourself, but if you are doing it for other people, you ought to know who they are. And uh, definitely elementary, no. Manjaro, no. And uh, Zorin OS uh, would put in there as well. Zorin OS, yeah, that's that's what I wanted to say. Uh, they, they, you know, they they all decided this is the group of people we want to be serving this to, and they do it with them in mind. They don't go against their users. 
they you know they they do they and it's it it shows if you put thought and effort into something and you have it well thought through then it's gonna show and it does in these distributions um that's not to say that i don't like any other i mean name a bad linux distribution really hannah montana was maybe <laughs> just, Re just Re Rebecca not, not, black linux yeah, just because of the color schemes, though. Nothing else. And the KDE4, though. Mm. Yeah. Looking back on KDE4 now, because actually... Or, 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 uh, or worse, anything best based off the Trinity desktop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I suppose it was a year or two ago I, I installed the KX Studio, and that's based off of... Um, I think it's uh, Kubuntu fourteen, fourteen of or four or something like that. Oh wow! And it just looks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And put like there's. Oh, let me not mince words uh, here. Uh, I would not be sharing KD with as much love as I am doing at the moment if it was still KD four. <laughs> oh god! I mean. The, the 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 signature uh warped frozen metal kind of look with the big chunky dots and uh yeah it, it looks like the marriage between mac os circa 2010 and windows vista which it kind of is not the greatest description of a, of a look that you can ask for but I, I, I actually used KD in a little bit in the 3.5 versions. And yeah, it was over, it was horrible by today's standards. But back then, that was everything else was horrible too by today's standards. Like, you know, if it was Windows XP, KD 3.5 or GNOME 2. GNOME 2 was stable. Or I think back then uh, Cinnamon started. Uh, Cinnamon did not start in the KD 3 days. Just let, just let you know. Maybe a year later then? No. Wait, hold on. Uh, no. Linux Mint, or maybe it wasn't Cinnamon then, it, but it was Linux Mint. That was around oh, yeah. longer. Oh yeah. Uh, it was Lin Linux Mint was using GNOME too. Linux Mint started off with KDE, and then um, it kind of went with the GNOME as its uh, main desktop, and it had XFCE then as well. Initial release, two thousand and six, twenty seventh August. No, but it's wow. correcting your. You said Cinnamon. So that's what that's what is correcting. No, I'm just yeah, absolutely. Uh, cinnamon, uh, cinnamon's definitely not that old. I can actually look at uh, uh, 2011. Yeah, initial release 2011. It was a great distro. It still is, but uh, it was fairly revolutionary at the time. Yeah, back then when they actually gave people what the people needed to run uh, to run software. Uh, those um, Linux Mint certainly has its niche. I, 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 uh, to my point, there um, is there, uh, there's no distro that I would pretty much uh, put any hate towards. Um, Linux Mint certainly not. Uh, and that's there's no uh, underhanded <laughs> read between the lines uh, implied jab there. I'm being genuine at the moment. Uh, Linux Mint, I, I've I used Linux Mint quite extensively. Uh. It was. It's been was a solid, solid, reliable um, uh, operating system. Any time that I've used it, it's just I've I've my 
needs and uh, wants of in relation to Linux have have progressed since then. But nothing against Linux Mint; it's still doing, it's still targeting the audience that it targets. I was once that audience. I've since moved on from there, but um, nothing against Linux Mint's what whatsoever. Um, I would say it's it's up there with the most polished and integrated um uh Linux um distros out there. The thought and integration that Linux Mint have put in throughout their whole uh throughout their whole stack, they they think of little things. Um, here or there so if you think that uh if you think that ubuntu is polished it's all like it's it, i know it's, it's based off ubuntu but they nearly do the same again on top of ubuntu i mean it, um linux mint is is quite uh well thought out quite polished in that sense i know there's some misgivings about their software sources and they're they're having a bit of a uh, handbags at dawn at the moment with um snaps and and whatnot but in terms of a distro i would happily um give anyone uh an installation of the linux mint and slap them down in front of it and say listen that's your new computer no problems whatsoever I have, if you think that you cannot hate a distro, I have three words for you. Oracle Unbreakable Linux. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh. That yeah. just represents everything that's wrong. <laughs> yes. Corporation stealing free software. But anyway. Yeah, that one, that one, uh, yeah, I've never, I don't, I don't think anyone has ever actually tried it. I mean, maybe, maybe it's running, like, obviously it's running, like, on corporate backends, but can you even download it? I wonder if I can install it on my. <laughs> I oh, there's there's neat there's niche enterprise. Uh, looking for licenses up. <laughs> there's yeah, there's there's niche enterprises distros of Linux that I, I don't think anybody can just um download. I think Amazon have their own one. Uh, Microsoft certainly have their own one, isn't there? And Azure Linux. Uh, well, come on, it's um uh, open source. Uh, yeah, with, uh, you know what I mean. Of, uh, they they yeah. don't exactly stick it on the Microsoft website web page, or they don't exactly stick it on the Amazon web page for their version. And the I'm sure Oracle don't necessarily stick it on on their web page to say here's an ISO. Anybody can just download it. Uh, well, hold on a second. Uh, oh, they sell support. I don't know the information, but <laughs> I'm just, I'm just I'd be incredibly surprised if if Oracle do that. Uh, or yeah, no, Microsoft or Amazon. I'm not picking pick one well, in particular. Yeah, I don't know, right? So uh, Amazon and Microsoft, because they, well, it runs on their cloud only. So this probably only yeah. runs on, this only runs on, uh, yeah, I mean, would you want to really deploy, deploy like AWS on your laptop? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Although you know, it may be interesting, uh, interesting, um, what you call it, experiment. Software downloads. Hold on. Your, your, I, I will your, find it. We'll your find idea. Find you, you and mine definitions of interesting are two completely different. <laughs> True that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to troll Oracle website for the ISO. It, it might be in there somewhere because they should make. They should actually make the Linux available to people to download. That should be. Uh, shouldn't that be? This isn't it like one of the conditions of the GPL that you share it. 
Uh, no, I mean, yeah, it definitely is. Um, I'm sure they're they're com- they're technically. Uh, I'm sure their their lawyers have been over it and and a fine to come. And I think they they um sharing it into some um darkened room of their website somewhere. Going, eh, it's see, probably see, hosted on archive.org. <laughs> So, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure, as usual, to have you on. Um, is there anything that you would like to give a shout-out to, um, either yourself personally or anything the Binary Times-related or or you're choosing any, any project that you think deserves a shout-out or anything that you want to share socials or just give a shout-out to a website? Well, I'd just like to say thanks so much for having me on again. It's been a pleasure as always. Good crack. Thank you for coming. No worries. Um, in terms of socials, <laughs> you know me, I'm not much on the, the socials. <laughs> you have Do you have any antisocials? Antisocials. Well, come over to the binarytimes.net and see how antisocial we are. <laughs> No, I have to. I I love your I love your show. I I I listen to it. It's uh it's great. How uh, I heard I heard about uh, your kids giving you, giving you a great Father's Day present. Yeah, yeah. That was... This was brilliant. This was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, uh, they basically um, they had some secret, and this will tell you how clueless I am because I didn't know any of this was going on. But basically, um, I was brought to in front of a computer. And uh, my daughter started playing this video and she just said, sit down here and, you know, watch this. And uh, the next thing there was actually, um, there was this chair with a kind of a gothic background on it. And um, you had this kind of doom music, you know, and it was really kind of intense. And you could just see a hand kind of tapping on the, the side of the, the chair, on, you know, on the arm of the chair. And the camera pans over, and the next thing you see, it's no one else except John Romero, right? And at this stage, I'm kind of going, you know, what's going on here? And uh, the next thing, John is like, hey, Mark. And then I go, you know, (laughs) where did they get this video from, you know? But then he's there saying Happy Father's Day and all this kind of stuff. And you're probably wondering why I'm wishing you a Happy Father's Day. and. you know, at this stage, I'm going, what is going on? And next thing he says, it's because of your awesome kids, Julian Allen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> blown away that, like, the kids thought of it. Uh, but also for John Romero to actually sit down and spend the time to do that. He's a class act. Oh yeah, fair, fair play, fair play. I mean, he's he's um he's definitely uh up there as being. Uh, the nerdy folklore of of kind of being a, a bit of a, a geek icon, a bit of a nerdy icon. So I I could certainly see the excitement of if 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 somebody like that made a custom, uh, video for me and like like if you know specifically for me, I I would be completely and utterly over the moon. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head who would be my equivalent person that I I'd be absolutely blown away by uh would probably be 
David Hayter, the the voice of Metal um, Solid Snake in Metal Gear Solid, <laughs> putting that out into the universe. If if anyone wants to do that for me, <laughs> uh, it's probably very extre- extremely unlikely. Even though I think he has been over to Comic Con here, I think I re- I vaguely recall seeing his name appearing up on on the list of one of the Comic Cons maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, but yeah, I I would I would very much uh become uh i don't know <laughs> what's the what's the i'm trying to think of the words here i'd i'd completely utterly fangirl if i <laughs> if i if david hater made a, a custom video for me uh mike would you have any uh, person from, from oh well where, where do i start right so uh uh, David Tennant in his uh, Doctor Who. Uh, Good choice. In, in, yeah. Uh, any any amount of music, like anyone from Alanis Morissette to uh, anybody from the Foo Fighters, whatever, right? You know, bring back Kurt Cobain for it. Uh, definitely. Um, um, Stephen Fry or David Attenborough would be two more people for me <laughs> oh my god da- david attenborough would be amazing like uh, stephen fry of course as well but <laughs> imagine if if it was not only the voice of david attenborough but in style of david attenborough here we have i can't do it here we have but you know if he was if he was just describing it in the way he does that was bit, that would be uh, amazing i'm thinking you know john oliver amazing <laughs> john oliver, um, that would be brilliant yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't want to leave anybody out. So, so like, but I'm, I'm, I'm easily pleased, right? So, no, so, no. and it doesn't have to be anybody too famous. Barack Obama would be fine. Although that would be ex- extremely long. Um, almost well, as long as this uh, episode. One thing, though, uh, a member of our community actually um, shared something with me on Telegram. So Shane Sully. Um, introduced a GPU accelerated terminal. Um, I was I did check it out. Uh, for me, it I'm pretty happy with the def- the default um KDE terminal um K turn. What 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 is it even? It's called K- KDE console. KD, oh, console. Yeah, console with a, with a K because naturally it is. Um, <laughs> I tried it out and there was nothing really compelling for me uh, other than console. Uh, I just use whatever the default is in my desktop environment. But when I mentioned it to Mike, Mike, Mike says, "Oh yeah, I'm already using that." I was like, "Really? I never even heard of it." <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's GPU accelerated, which means that. Uh certain things it runs at it utilizes basically the graphics cards if you have one or i don't know how it basically i don't know how it works if you uh if you have um, just an integrated graphic card if it's still working if it's still worth it but uh because i i i kind of thought i didn't okay i didn't measure it or anything right i didn't actually do any benchmarking thinking okay this is gonna run my stupid python script 10 million times faster because it's gpu accelerated I just saw it's meant to be faster. Cool, uh, bring it on. Uh, and then two days ago, people were telling me, "Why is your Manjaro logo in NeoFetch orange or yellow?" I'm like, "Why well, it's not a yellow?" And everybody said, "No, it's yellow. It's mustard made." <laughs> I'm like, um, "Yeah, shows out." Turns out, I mean, I I knew this, but I'm slightly colorblind, so it never actually occurred to me to. But the theming of the on the thing is a bit off. 
so uh, people who are easily visually offended, if you if you download Alacrity, you probably need to change your team. I, I it didn't really bother me un up until actually people told me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> speaking as as one of those people who saw the screenshots, I was like, uh, "Why does uh, like he, he was sharing um, a neo fetch of uh, Manjaro, and then I was like, "Why is the Manjaro logo mustard rather than green?" <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so we are the Linux lads. Uh, our socials are uh we have linuxlads.com very great website <laughs> and we're it's the best website best website um we're on twitter at linuxlads uh we're on mastodon our email is show at linuxlads.com and um, please email us we do email or we do read your emails if you um sent an email we mightn't necessarily read it out on air but we certainly do read any email that you send us um if you fancy sending us a fiver or uh uh for a cup of coffee or a beer or something like that um we do have donation links on our website as well so that is linuxlads.com slash donate and i think there is some fun ones in there like the linuxlads.com slash beer and a few others as well but it, certainly if you go on linuxlads.com and you click on the donate button all of our details for a donation uh which may change from when you listen to this episode to sometime in the future but uh, any donation w methods that we have will always be on that web page so uh so it's a nice dynamic link there um and we have a Steam community, so we're it's the URL I don't recall off the top of my head, but if you go on the Steam community uh, uh, web page and uh, search for Linux Lads, or I'm sure it will be in the show notes. Uh, so you just scroll scroll all the way bottom to the all the way to the bottom of the of the show notes, and then click on the link, and you should be able to join us in our Steam community. Uh, no um scheduled events or anything like that it's the kind of thing of if we're there we're there and ping us and we might be up for a game who knows in the future we might actually have a scheduled thing where we all meet up and game on on a certain um game on steam uh war fork oh war fork i thought you said or fork i was like is there a fork of steam <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I've I've never actually played that game. Um, there's a f some open source games on Steam actually. There's uh, which I did only discovered recently. There's Zero K, which is a open source RTS based off the um, Spring RTS engine, and that is on Steam. And is of course it's completely free because it's open source, and it's also on their web page. And uh, I think it's also in um. GitHub or GitLab or something like that. So if you if you want it, it should be in your repos, um, or it's on Steam. And the only benefit of it being on Steam is that you get all the social integration benefits of it as well. So you can invite your friends and and whatnot. Uh, yeah. So uh, watch. I was just gonna say, watch this space. We we may be organizing um some kind of online multiplayer shoot each other in the face kind of game. We, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And on that bombshell, 
Bye. 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 Yay editing! <laughs>